Well, good morning. Afternoon, I'm sorry. Beautiful music. Absolutely beautiful music. And you all sounded great. We've got these wonderful pianists and organists, and you all sounded so great. And then to have special music. And I just want to let you know what a special friend uh, Doug has become. We study the Bible together and and to have him come up and, and play those special pieces and serve as always uh, a taste of heaven. We thank you for that. Uh, we thank you for the children. and Thank you, Bo and Kate, for your dedication today uh, for Marcus. Well, let us go ahead and bow our head for a word of prayer. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for our opportunity now to open up your word. And we pray for the wisdom from above, uh, for the Holy Spirit to not only teach us, but to water the seeds of truth that we will have planted in our hearts and minds. So it will bear a wonderful harvest to your glory, Father. And so, Father, we now just rest the rest of our service again into your hands and ask that you would be uplifted and honored. In this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit and watering the seed. The seed is is Christ. The seed is not the Holy Spirit. The seed is Christ. The Holy Spirit is the rain. And you need how much of those? You need both of these, don't you? You can't have seed without rain. And what's the purpose of the rain if there's no seed? We need both. We need Christ the seed and the watering of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And that will be, in a nutshell, what our sermon's about. But I want to talk about, did I turn that on? No. Uh, We had a baby dedication and, and, and kind of talking about seed. We all draw our lineage back to Adam, right? Adam and Eve. And about 6,000 years later, there's Andrew and Inga, right? And then there's Constantine and Tamara. Tamara? Tamara. Tamara. And Andrew and Inga have Bo, and Constantine and Tamara have Kate. And they come together, they have a marriage, they have Leon and Lucas. And of course, Marcus was our baby dedication. This all is a result of seed. And as we look at our next slide, everything in our world comes from a seed. Every plant comes from a seed. Every living thing, every creature, every animal, every human being comes from a seed. Is this true? Absolutely. Now, we all come from Adam and Eve. They had a seed. They started off innocent, but they had sinned. We do receive an inheritance from Adam. But what is that inheritance? It's death. Wherefore, as one man, Adam, sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for all, for that all have our inheritance, our natural inheritance from being born of Adam's seed, is that all of us are going to, we're all going to die. And if there's not another seed, if nobody else enters this picture, and plants a new seed in this, it will be the end of the human race. Is this right? And so Jesus would become that new seed. Is that right? 
If he doesn't come, we have no hope of a future. Now, here's the promise. God speaking to the dragon, and I will put enmity, a hatred, between thee, the serpent, Satan, and the woman representing the church, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. In this beautiful promise, God had already realized that Adam and Eve had sinned, and they would be the seed now of Satan, basically. They would, they had a fallen nature now, which Lucifer had. And that is the only seed they could now pass on. But God's first promise in the Bible is based on a seed. He says, I know exactly what you need. And I promise that one will come. And his seed, the character of his seed, would be an enmity with the seed of Satan. The seed of Satan leads us to be disobedient to God. But God would provide a seed, his own son, to plant a different nature in us, a different character. It would be just the opposite of Satan. Instead of rebellion against God, it would be a loving service to God. That was our only hope of eternal life, was this implanting of a new seed. And so God makes this promise through Abraham, and he tells Abraham, I found a man through whom I will have this seed come through. It will be through his descendants. Now notice this promise. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He saith not unto seeds as of many, but as of one, and to thy seed, which is Christ. And if you be Christ, then are you Abraham's seed, and heirs according to the promise. Do you realize that every promise in the Bible is through one person? This seeds all the promises that God has made is not through the 12 sons of Jacob being the state of Israel or the people of Israel, the Jewish nation. The promises aren't through them. The promises are all made by one seed, Christ. And if the seed of Christ is in you, then all the promise that God had made are for you. But if Christ, if I don't allow Christ to plant his seed in me, the promises are not for me. They would have been forfeited because I chose to still be of the seed of Adam. But I've got to choose to be of Abraham's seed, which is really to be the seed of of Christ. His life must become my life. His life must be planted in me. And then all the promises are for me. Notice what happened here. This is just amazing. In the Gospel of Luke, And the angel said unto her, Mary, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shalt call his name Jesus. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. 
Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called what? Can you imagine what's taking place here? This is an absolute mystery to us. But who is the Son of God? Jesus Christ, who created everything, who sustains everything, becomes a seed. How does this happen? How does the Son of God become a seed and is placed in Mary's womb? You know, that's our only hope. If he doesn't enter the womb of Mary and become a seed which would allow him to become a baby, become a human being, we have no hope as a human race. We all would just be after the seed of Adam. And the inheritance is death. Think how fragile all this is. This little seed in Mary rests the entire salvation of the whole human race. And it's amazing that the Son of God who made everything and sustains everything would be willing to become just a seed. What a loving God. And he knew that if he doesn't do this, we have no hope. But I want to go back, because in these verses, you have the two things we're going to talk about. You have the seed, which is, and you have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's not the seed, but it's the Holy Spirit that plants the seed in Mary's womb and allows it to to grow. And that will be the exact same thing with us. Now, if the Son of Man, or if the Son of God, think about it. If the Son of God could become a seed, be placed in Mary's womb, and become a human being, a baby, then can that same seed, Christ, be planted in me? What's harder? If I can believe that Jesus can become a seed and be planted in Mary and become a human being, then it's only logical for me to also believe that Christ can live in me. That the Holy Spirit can plant The life of Jesus in me, seed after seed, character after character, and allow it to grow just like Jesus grew from babyhood to childhood to manhood. What's my role in this? I'm not the seed. I'm not the watering influence of the Holy Spirit. I've got to allow them to do this. My part is to take away every obstacle that would prevent this miracle from happening. Through disbelief or sin in my life. That's our part. We'll get into that a little bit more. The Holy Spirit is not the seed. 
Jesus is a seed. Jesus lived a sinless life on our sinful flesh that his perfect seed can be in us, creating in us a love for righteousness and enmity with sin and Satan. One of the reasons Christ came here was to live a perfect life that you and I could never live by ourselves. We're just simply of the seed of Adam. He had to become one of us and live a sinless life because everybody else has lived a what kind of life? A sinful life. Someone had to put on human flesh and live a sinless life so the seed of that life could be in us. So that we could now live a new life. Now, based on the principle of marriage, the Holy Spirit cannot place his seed on us in us because Christ already has his seed in us. Does this make sense? Because if the Holy Spirit did that, what would we call that? We call it adultery. We are married to one. The Holy Spirit's not putting his seed in us. It's just a seed of Christ, and you're going to be married to that one. What the Holy Spirit will do is he'll take that seed of, of Jesus, and he's going to make it grow. And we just need to let him do what he's able to do. Don't put any obstacles in the way. No worldly television, no worldly music. Don't put any obstacles in the way that keeps the Holy Spirit from doing His perfect work to allow that seed to grow in us. Does this seem right? Amen. Amen. Now, the Holy Spirit is rain. Notice the statement here. In the east, the former rain falls at sowing time. It is necessary in order that the seed may germinate. Under the influence of the fertilizing showers, the tender shoot springs up. The latter rain, falling near the close of the season, ripens the grain and prepares it for the sickle, for harvest. The Lord employs these operations of nature to represent the work of the Holy Spirit. As the dew and the rain are given first to cause the seed to germinate and then to ripen the harvest, so the Holy Spirit is given to carry forward from one state to another the process of spiritual growth. The ripening of the grain represents the completion of the work of God's grace in the soul. By the power of the Holy Spirit, the moral image of God is to be perfected in the character. We are to be wholly transformed into the likeness of Christ. Amen. If I had a seed right here, and I put it in a cup of dirt. In the dirt is nutrients. There's nutrients in this dirt. But let's say it has zero moisture. And I put that seed in this cup. Will that seed germinate? Absolutely not. It's still seed. It has life in it. But what does it need? It needs moisture. Because when the rain comes or I put moisture in that cup, it allows those nutrients to be put in a water solution to make it available to the seed, to make it available to the root system of the plant so it can make use of all those nutrients. I can fill my mind with seed, truth, 
But without the watering of the Holy Spirit, I won't be converted. I could get every answer right on a Bible quiz. But without the Holy Spirit, it will profit me nothing. We need both. We need Jesus desperately. We need the seed because only in his seed is life. But without the water, and how often do we need it to be watered? Every day. And if that's watered every day, that plant will, it will grow. And Christ will grow in us. This is a daily matter. And I'm telling you, friends, we're getting awfully close to the second coming of Jesus Christ. God is only holding back the four winds, not because the world's not wicked enough. We haven't allowed the Holy Spirit to do His perfect work. We may be receiving seed, but we need the water. We need the Spirit. And once we reach a certain maturity, then the latter rain comes, putting a finishing touch on God's people, and then they'll be ready for anything that Satan throws at them. Is this right? So the rain moistens the earth. There's those nutrients suspended in a solution that makes it available to be absorbed by the seed, by the plant. The rain is not developing its own life. Is that right? But the life that's in the seed. The Holy Spirit is working in you not to develop his life in you. He's simply working to develop the life of Jesus in you. This is why Jesus is the one who put on our flesh and lived a perfect life to become the perfect seed. And the Holy Spirit takes the perfect seed and he becomes the water that allows it to grow. It's God's perfect plan. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit are all involved in this plan of saving man from his sinful condition. In the same way, the gentle reign of the Holy Spirit fills a believer's life, mingled with the nutrients found in the Word of God until the truths of God's Word become a part of us. Matthew 5, 44. Love your enemies. Love your neighbors too. The Word. That is seed. Love your enemies is seed. The issue isn't that I have the seed. It is an issue. But it's got to become real. The evidence that I have the Holy Spirit is I begin to love. You see what I'm saying? There's going to have to be evidence of the seed growing. We can't just have knowledge. We can't have just seed. But when you see your life beginning to change, and begin to look like the life of Jesus, then you know you don't just have seed, you have have the Spirit, you have water. And what we need to pray for is, Father, how can I get more water? How can I get more seed? How can I become more like Jesus? 
Because God is waiting for our people to perfectly reflect his character. And we haven't arrived at that either because we don't have enough seed of truth in here or we don't have enough of the water of the spirit or a combination of the two. But this is what we need. Wow. While it was not necessary for Jesus to become incarnate to communicate with the human family, right? I mean, Jesus talked with Moses. He talked with Abraham. And he talked with, and this is all before the incarnation. And after the incarnation, he even talks with John and gives him the book of Revelation. So Jesus didn't have to become a man to communicate with the human race. But he did have to become a man to become the second Adam. He did have to become a man to become the seed. Or there's no hope for us. Now, in Desire of Ages, page 24, Satan represents God's law as a law of selfishness. He declares that it's impossible for us to obey its precepts. And when Satan starts spreading that lie around heaven, all that God should have had to do is say and make a declaration, no, my law is perfect, it's holy, it would enable you to love one another. But because Satan masked all his deception and such cloudiness, right? People didn't know. Was Lucifer saying something true? Who, who do I believe? So God couldn't just make a declaration and say Lucifer's lying. He had to demonstrate that man could keep God's law. Had to be a demonstration. And if Jesus doesn't come to become that demonstration, then it would appear that Lucifer's argument might be true. Is that right? I mean, what a tough position. But don't forget, Jesus did come here because he loved us. But you know, he did have to come here to answer a charge against God's kingdom. So Jesus is hanging on the cross. He spent three and a half year ministry. Not that he hadn't ministered in his family for 30 years. But for three and a half years, he's ministering. Begins his ministry, public ministry. But it's why he's hanging on the cross that he says it's, it's finished. But his ministry isn't finished. Because as soon as he ascended into heaven... He's continued to minister for us for the last 2,000 years. So his ministry wasn't finished. What was finished? Jesus proved that a person can keep the law of God perfectly by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's finished. He just answered the charge. 
Satan's charge is now seen as false. Because Jesus didn't sin even by a thought. He conquered Lucifer and won for us a victory that we could never get by ourselves because we were simply born of Adam's seed. But he's the Son of God. And if the Son of God lives in your heart, just like the Son of God became a human being, then you can have victory. And you can keep God's law too. Is this true? Now, it's an interesting verse based on what we've been talking about. Is that corruption versus incorruption. According to the law of generation, everything produces after its kind. If I had a pumpkin seed in my hand, what will it always become? Will it ever become an apple? Never. It's a law. Therefore, now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood, what? It cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. But thanks be to God, which give us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. We are just flesh and blood of Adam, born into corruption. And based on the law of generation, corruption cannot inherit incorruption. But Christ is the incorruptible one. And therefore, he does not produce corruption. So here's our choice. When we wake up every day, we can fall back into the seat of Adam. Or we can be bold and say, I choose to be born of Christ. Father, today, plant the life of Jesus in me. And Father, may the Holy Spirit water that seed to bear fruit to the glory of her kingdom. And you do that knowing that if you don't do that, there's a law of generation that says, well, if you don't choose the seed to be in you and the Holy Spirit to water it, you will wind up bearing the fruit of corruption. It's just a law. Look at this verse. This is beautiful. This is explaining what we're saying in the sermon here. 2 Peter 1.4 Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious, what? Promises. That by these very promises you might be partakers of the divine nature. A partaker of the divine seed, Jesus Christ, having escaped the what? The corruption that's in the world through lust. We live in a corrupt world. We were born of the seed of Adam. And the only way not to be absorbed and taken over by the corruption that's in the world is to be a partaker of the divine nature of Christ. To allow the seed of Christ, which is incorruptible, to be planted. Other than that, there's no way to escape it. You can go to Tibet and be a New Ager and you won't find incorruption. You can practice all kinds of other religions, but they're not going to work. They can't work based on the law of generation because those other religions don't have Christ as the seed. 
The only way to escape the corruption that's in the world is Jesus. It's the only way out of here, friends. You remember the, the parable of the ten virgins? Five wise, five foolish. What did they share in common? They all had, they all had lamps, which represents the word of God. But five had oil and five did not. Only five were going to make it to heaven. The other five are going to be lost. And it's not because they didn't have a lamp. It's not because they didn't have truth. Because the lamp represents the word of God. They had truth. They had seeds. But they didn't have oil. Or they didn't have the rain. In fact, Sister Y would talk about how these five foolish, they're not common sinners. They love to hear truth. If there was a meeting on truth, they'd be at every possible meeting they could get to. It's not just our love for knowledge, friends. It's our love for purity of heart. To be like Jesus in all things. It was a, it's a heart issue. And that's what the Spirit does. He gives us a new heart, a renewed mind, so that we even love the seeds that are planted in us. Jesus would say, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Except a man be born of water and of the... He cannot enter into the kingdom of God. And so Peter, understanding this now, when there are people saying, what must we do to be saved? He says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission or the forgiveness of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. You see, when I accept Jesus as my personal Savior, I give my sins to Christ, and I receive Him as the promised seed. But when I receive Jesus as the promised seed, God also gives me what? The gift of the Holy Spirit, because without the water, the seed won't grow. So at conversion, you get both. You get Jesus, the seed, and you get the Holy Spirit, the oil, the water. And that's never to change. This has to happen every day. You begin your spiritual journey this way, you have to continue your spiritual journey the same way. Seed, water. Lamp, oil. Jesus, Holy Spirit. Is this true? This is an interesting verse. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. This verse does not say, strive to shine. It doesn't say, grit your teeth and work hard at shining for Jesus. Because here's the truth. 
If you receive the seed, Jesus Christ, and you allow the Holy Spirit to water it, you will shine. In fact, you'd have to make an effort to contain the light by throwing obstacles before it. But if you throw no obstacles before it, you will shine by virtue that the fact that you've received the seed and the water. So you don't need to make anything happen as if it's part of human effort. It's a matter of not putting obstacles in a way to prevent it from happening. This is all by God, but it's our cooperation. See, there's a lot of things that could be obstacles. Right? could be a thousand things. And so what we should pray for is, Father... What things are in my life that's preventing me from receiving the seed? What things am I doing in my life that's preventing me from receiving the water or the oil or the Holy Spirit? Because, Father, I don't want to be seed in dry ground. I want it to be moist. I want it to be in a watery solution of the Holy Spirit so that I can get everything out of this seed that you desired it to do. Don't remove the oil, remove the obstacles. Let me close. Well, we can do this one. I think there's just a few more slides. A revival of Reformation must take place under the ministration of who? The Holy Spirit. Revival and Reformation are two different things. Revival signifies a renewal of spiritual life, a quickening of the powers of mind and heart. This is conversion. A resurrection from spiritual death. Reformation signifies a reorganization, a change in ideas and theories, habits and practices. Reformation will not bring forth the good fruit of righteousness unless it is connected with the revival of the Spirit. Revival and Reformation are to do their appointed work, and in doing this work, they must blend. It's not enough that I became a Christian. I have to grow as a plant in Christ. Is this agreeable? And as long as God gives me breath, I need to be growing. That is the only safe place to be, friends. Now, the devil's going to do everything he can to take you away from receiving the Spirit. He's going to get you so busy that you have no time for Jesus. You take no interest in spiritual things. He may have you watch a lot of worldly television, which is going to kill every spiritual interest you ever had in your body. I'm telling you, friends, we're living in serious times. Seed and spirit every day, friends. Seed and spirit. I want to close with this. I want to read you a passage. I'm going to close here. In the Gospel of John, in chapter 20, Jesus had been crucified, and at this point, the disciples didn't know that he was alive. Why don't we read this? John chapter 20, verse 19. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, and all of a sudden came Jesus, and stood in the midst, didn't even open a door, stood in the midst and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. And when he had so said, he showed unto them his hands and his side, Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Then said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you. 
As my Father has sent me, even so send I you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and saith unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Wow. (laughs) Spirit of Prophecy, Volume 3. The act of Christ in breathing upon his disciples the Holy Ghost and in imparting his peace to them was a few drops before the plentiful shower to be given on the day of Pentecost. Think about what happened. Just a few drops of the Holy Spirit. Just a few drops of moisture in the dirt where the seed is planted. Just a little bit of the Spirit. Not Pentecost yet. Just a few drops before Pentecost. What happened in that period of time? They went from fear to faith. And before Pentecost, they got into an upper room and solved all their differences with just a few drops of the Holy Spirit. Wow. Imagine what it would be like if we had the full measure. You see what I'm saying? Every day we need at least a few drops. But that few drops changes everything. Changes the whole chemistry of the soil. Changes the whole chemistry of the nutrients in the soil and giving food, nutrients to the plant to grow. And then in this last statement. Christ not only gave himself for, but to his disciples. That's interesting. He died for us, but he's given himself to us as seed. This is an important concept. The record declares... He breathed on them and saith unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. John 20, 22. Jesus is waiting to breathe upon all his disciples. And to give them the inspiration of his sanctifying spirit. And here's a key word. Transfuse. The vital influence from himself to his people. Christ is to live in his human agents. They must act with his spirit that it may be no more they that live, but Christ that liveth in them. Some teach, not transfusion, but infusion. That you'll get infused with grace if you do works. That if I do this, I get a little infused grace. But the gospel doesn't teach infusion. The Bible teaches a transfusion. Where we get a word like a transfusion of blood, right? So... If I needed a blood transfusion, someone's giving their blood to me. I now have their blood. Jesus breathes on his disciples and he transfuses his own peace to be in them. And all of a sudden, there's no more fear. They now are at Because they received whose peace? His peace. That's just like Jesus planted his seed of peace in them. And the Holy Spirit watered it. Does this make sense? Transfusion. Every morning we wake up and say, Father, I'm sick. I need a physician. I need a blood transfusion. I need help. Will you breathe on me? Jesus, as you minister your merits for me, you live this perfect life, will you breathe that life on me? 
that I might receive the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit takes that life and He transfuses it inside of me. So now it's my life. Father, I'm having such a problem with impatience. Will you breathe on me the patience of Jesus? So I have His patience. Does this make sense? You see, we cannot create our own righteousness. We're of the seed of Adam. All we can do, and this is everything, is we receive his seed, his life, because in his life is eternal life. And that's what we want. We don't just want to be good people. We want to be a holy people. We want to be pleasing to God. So friends... In closing, every day we need seed. Take your Bibles out every day and the spirit of prophecy and plant seed in the garden of your heart. But don't stop there. Desire that the watering of the Holy Spirit will make it real. That you will have his patience. You will have his faith. You will have his love. Because he freely offers it as he freely offered his own body. He offers his character as well. That's why he offered his body. So that our lives could change.